Section 36 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Night 959. When it was the nine hundred and fifty-ninth night, she said, It has reached me, O auspicious king, that Ibrahim continued, Then they carried me before the wali, and he, seeing the blood stains on my hand, cried, These needeth no proof, strike off his head. Now hearing these words, I wept with sore weeping, the tears streaming from my eyes, and recited these two couplets. We trod the steps that for us were writ, and whose steps are written he needs must tread, and whose death is decreed in one land to be, his ne'er shall perish in other stead. Then I sobbed a single sob, and fell a swoon, and the headsman's heart was moved to ruth for me, and he exclaimed, By Allah, this is no murderer's face. But the chief said, Smite his neck. So they seated me on the rug of blood, and bound my eyes. After which the sword that drew his sword and asking leave of the wali was about to strike off my head, whilst I cried out, Alas, my strangerhood, when lo and behold, I heard a noise of horse coming up, and a voice calling aloud, Leave him, stay thy hand, O sworder. Now there was for these a wondrous reason and a marvellous cause, and it was thus Al Khazib, Wazir of Egypt, had sent his head chamberlain to the Caliph Harun al Rashid with presents and a letter saying, my son has been missing this year past, and I hear that he is in Baghdad. Wherefore I crave of the bounty of the vice-regent of Allah, that he make search for tidings of him, and do his endeavour to find him, and send him back to me with the chamberlain. When the caliph read the missive, he commanded the chief of the police to search out the truth of the matter, and he ceased not to inquire after Ibrahim, till it was told him that he was at Basra, whereupon he informed the caliph, who wrote a letter to the viceroy, and giving it to the chamberlain of Egypt, bade him repair to Basra, and take with him a company of the wazir's followers. So, of his eagerness to find the son of his lord, the chamberlain set out forthright, and happened by the way upon Ibrahim, as he stood on the rug of blood. When the wali saw the chamberlain, he recognized him, and alighted to him, and as he asked, What young man is that, and what is his case? The chief told him how the matter was, and the chamberlain said, And indeed he knew him not for the son of the sultan. Verily this young man hath not the face of one who murdereth. And he bade loose his bonds. So they loosed him, and the chamberlain said, Bring him to me. And they brought him. But the officer knew him not, his beauty being all gone for the horrors he had endured. Then the chamberlain said to him, O youth, Tell me thy case, and how cometh this slain woman with thee? Ibrahim looked at him, and knowing him, said to him, Woe to thee! Dost thou not know me? Am I not Ibrahim, son of thy lord? Haply thou art come in quest of me. With this the chamberlain considered him straightly, and knowing him right well, threw himself at his feet, which when the wall he saw, his colour changed. And the chamberlain cried to him, Fie upon thee, O tyrant! Was it thine intent to slay the son of my master, Al-Hasib, Wazir of Egypt? The chief of police kissed his skirt, saying, O oh, my lord, how should I know him? 
we found him in this plight, and saw the girl lying slain by his side. Rejoined the chamberlain, Out on thee, thou art not fit for the office. This is a lad of fifteen, and he hath not slain a sparrow. So how should he be a murderer? Why didst thou not have patience with him and question him of his case? Then the chamberlain and the wali cried to the men, Make search for the young lady's murderer. So they re-entered the bath, and finding him, brought him to the chief of police, who carried him to the caliph, and acquainted him with that which had occurred. Al-Rashid bade slay the slayer, and sending for Ibrahim, smiled in his face, and said to him, Tell me thy tale, and that which hath betided thee. So he recounted to him his story from first to last, and it was grievous to the caliph, who called Masrur his sworder, and said to him, Go straightway, and fall upon the house of Abu al-Kazim al-Sandalani, and bring me him and the young lady. The eunuch went forth at once, and breaking to the house, found Jamila bound with her own hair, and nigh upon death. So he loosened her, and taking the painter, carried them both to the caliph, who marvelled at Jamila's beauty. Then he turned to al-Sandalani, and said, Take him, and cut off his hands, wherewith he beat this young lady. Then crucify him, and deliver his monies and possessions to Ibrahim. They did his bidding, and as they were thus, behold, in came Abu Alays, governor of Basra. The lady Jamila's father, seeking aid of the caliph against Ibrahim bin al-Kazib, wazir of Egypt, and complaining to him that the youth had taken his daughter. Quoth al-Rashid, He hath been the means of delivering her from torture and slaughter. Then he sent for Ibrahim. And when he came, he said to Abu Alais, Wilt thou not accept of this young man, son of the Sodan of Egypt, as husband of thy daughter? Replied Abu Alais, I hear and I obey Allah and thee, O commander of the faithful. Whereupon the caliph summoned the kazi and the witness and married the young lady to Ibrahim. Furthermore, he gave him all al-Sandalani's wealth and equipped him for his return to his own country, where he abode with Jamila in the utmost of bliss, and the most perfect of happiness, till there came to them the destroyer of delights and the sunderer of societies. And glory be to the living who dieth not. They also relate, O auspicious king, a tale anent Abu al-Hassan of Khorasan. The caliph al-Mutazid Billah was a high-spirited prince and a noble-minded lord. He had in Baghdad six hundred wazirs, and of the affairs of the folk not was hidden from him. He went forth one day, he and Ibn Hamdon, to divert himself with observing his lieges and hearing the latest news of the people. And being overtaken with the heats of noonday, they turned aside from the main thoroughfare into a little by-street at the upper end, whereof they saw a handsome and high-builded mansion, discoursing of its owner with a tongue of praise. They sat down at the gate to take rest, and presently out came two eunuchs, as they were moons on their fourteenth night. Quoth one of them to his fellow, Would heaven some guest would seek admission this day? My master will not eat, but with guests, and we are come to this hour, and I have not yet seen a soul. The caliph marvelled at their speech, and said, This is a proof of the house-master's liberality. There is no help but that we go in to him, and note his generosity, and this shall be a means of favour betiding him from us. So he said to the eunuch, Ask leave of thy lord for the admission of a company of strangers. For, in those days, it was the caliph's wont, 
whenas he was minded to observe his subjects, to disguise himself in merchant's garb. The eunuch went in and told his master, who rejoiced, and rising came out to them in person. He was fair of favor and fine of form, and he appeared clad in a tunic of silk and a gold-laced mantle, and he dripped with scented waters and wore in his hand a signet ring of rubies. When he saw them, he said to them, Welcome, and welcome to the lords who favor us with the utmost of favor by their coming. So they entered the house and found it such as would make a man forget family and fatherland, for it was like a piece of paradise. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of night 959 Night 960 when it was the nine hundred and sixtieth night, she continued, It had reached me, O auspicious king, that when the caliph entered the mansion, he and the man with him, they saw it to be such as would make one forget family and fatherland, for it was like a piece of paradise. Within it was a flower garden full of all kinds of trees, confounding sight and its dwelling places were furnished with costly furniture. They sat down, and the caliph fell to gazing at the house and the household gear. Quoth Ibn Hamdun, I looked at the caliph and saw his countenance change, and being wont to know from his face whether he was amused or unangered, said to myself, I wonder what hath vexed him. Then they brought a golden basin, and we washed our hands, after which they spread a silken cloth and set thereon a table of rattan. When the covers were taken off the dishes, we saw therein meats rare as the blooms of prime in the season of their utmost scarcity, twofold and single, and the host said, Bismillah, O my lords, by Allah, hunger pricketh me, so favor me by eating of this food, as is the fashion of the noble. Thereupon he began tearing fowls apart and laying them before us, laughing the while and repeating verses and telling stories and talking gaily with pleasant sayings, such assorted with the entertainment. We ate and drank, then removed to another room, which confounded beholders with its beauty and which reeked with exquisite perfumes. Here they brought us a tray of fruits freshly gathered, and sweet meats the finest flavoured, whereas our joys increased and our care ceased. But with all the caliph, continued Ibn Habdun, ceased not to wear a frowning face and smiled not at that which gladdened all souls, albeit it was his wont to love mirth and merriment and the putting away of cares, and I knew that he was no envious wit and oppressor. So I said to myself, Would heaven I knew what is the cause of his moroseness and why we cannot dissipate his ill-humour. Presently they brought the tray of wine which friends doth cojoin, and clarified draughts in flagons of gold and crystal and silver, and the host smote with a rattan wand on the door of the inner chamber, whereupon, behold, it opened, and out came three damsels, high-bosomed virginity with faces like the sun at the fourth hour of the day, one a lutist, another a harpist, and the third a dancer-artist. Then he set before us dried fruits and confections, and drew between us and the damsels a curtain of brocade, with tassels of silk and rings of gold. The caliph, paid no heed to all this, but said to the host, who knew not who was in his company, Art thou a noble? Said he, No, my lord. 
I am but a man of the sons of the merchants, and am known among the folk as Abu al-Hasan Ali, son of Ahmad of Khorasan. Quoth the caliph, Dost thou know me, O man? And quoth he, By Allah, O my lord, I have no knowledge of either of your honours. Then said I to him, O man, this is the commander of the faithful, Al-Mutazid Bilah, grandson of Al-Mutawakil Al-Allah. Whereupon he rose and kissed the ground before the caliph, trembling for fear of him, and said, O prince of true believers, I conjure thee, by the virtue of thy pious forbearers, and thou have seen in me any shortcomings or lack of good manners in thy presence, do thou forgive me. Replied the caliph, As for that which thou hast done with us of honouring and hospitality, nothing could have exceeded it. And as for that wherewith I have to reproach thee here, and thou tell me the truth respecting it, and it commend itself to my sense, thy shall be saved from me. But, and thou tell me not the truth, I will take thee with manifest proof, and punish thee with such punishment as never yet punished any. Quoth the man, Allah forbid that I tell thee a lie. But what is it that thou reproachest to me, O commander of the faithful? Quoth the caliph, Since I entered thy mansion and looked upon its grandeur, I have noted the furniture and vessels therein, nay, even thy clothes, and behold, on all of them is the name of my grandfather, Al-Mutawakil Al-Allah. Answered Abu al-Hassan, Yes, O commander of the faithful, the Almighty protect thee. Truth is thine inner garb, and sincerity is thine outer garment, and none may speak otherwise than truly in thy presence. The caliph bade him be seated, and said, Tell us. So he began, Know, O commander of the faithful, that my father belonged to the markets of the money-changers, and druggists, and line-drapers, and had in each bazaar a shop, and an agent, and all kinds of goods. Moreover, behind the money-changer's shop he had an apartment, where he might be private, appointing the shop for buying and selling. His wealth was beyond count, and to his riches there was none amount. But he had no child other than myself, and he loved me, and was tenderly fain of me. When his last hour was at hand, he called me to him, and commended my mother to my care, and charged me to fear Almighty Allah. Then he died. May Allah have mercy upon him, and continue, the prince of true believers, on life. And I gave myself up to pleasure, and eating, and drinking, and took to myself comrades and intimates. My mother used to forbid me from this, and to blame me for it. But I would not hear a word from her, till my money was all gone, when I sold my lands and houses, and naught was left me, save the mansion wherein I now dwell. And it was a goodly steed, O commander of the faithful. So I said to my mother, I wish to sell the house. But she said, O my son, and thou sell it, thou wilt be dishonoured, and wilt have no place wherein to take shelter. Quoth I, Tis worth five thousand dinars, and with one thousand of its price I will buy me another house and trade with the rest. Quoth she, Wilt thou sell it to me at that price? And I replied, Yes. Whereupon she went to a coffer, and opening it, took out a porcelain vessel wherein were five thousand dinars. When I saw this, meseemed the house was all of gold, and she said to me, 
O my son, think not that this is of thy father's good. By Allah, O my son, it was of my own father's money, and I have treasured it up against a time of need. For in thy father's day I was a wealthy woman, and had no need of it. I took the money from her, O prince of true believers, and fell again to feasting and carousing and merry-making with my friends, and heeding my mother's words and admonitions, till the five thousand dinars came to an end. When I said to her, I wish to sell the house, said she, O my son, I forbade thee from selling it before, of my knowledge that thou hadst the need of it, so how wilt thou sell it a second time? Quoth I, Be not longsome of speech with me, for I must and will sell it. And quoth she, Then sell it to me for fifteen thousand dinars, on condition that I take charge of thine affairs. So I sold her the house at that price, and gave up my affairs into her charge. Whereupon she sought out the agents of my father, and gave each of them a thousand dinars, keeping the rest in her own hands, and ordering the outgo and the income. Moreover, she gave me money to trade with all, and said to me, Sit thou in thy father's shop. So I did her bidding, O commander of the faithful, and took up my abode in the chamber behind the shop, in the market of the money changers. And my friends came and bought of me, and I sold to them, whereby I made good cheap, and my wealth increased. When my mother saw me in this fair way, she discovered to me that which she had treasured up of jewels and precious stones, pearls and gold. And I bought back my houses and lands that I had squandered, and my wealth became great as before. I abode thus for some time, and the factors of my father came to me, and I gave them stock in trade, and I built me a second chamber behind the shop. One day, as I sat there, according to my custom, O prince of true believers, there came up to me a damsel, never saw eyes a fairer than she of favor, and said, Is this the private shop of Abu al-Hassan Ali ibn al-Ahmad al-Khorasani? Answered I, Yes. And she asked, Where is he? He am I, said I. And indeed my wit was dazed at the excess of her loveliness. She sat down and said to me, Be thy page weigh me out three hundred dinars. Accordingly I bade him give her that sum, and he weighed it out to her, and she took it, and went away, leaving me stupefied. Quoth my man to me, Dost thou know her? And quoth I, No, by Allah. He asked, Then why didst thou bid me give her the money? And I answered, by Allah, I knew not what I said of my amazement at her beauty and loveliness. Then he rose and followed her without my knowledge, but presently returned weeping and with the mark of a blow in his face. I inquired of him what ailed him, and he replied, I followed the damsel to see whither she went, but when she was aware of me, she turned and dealt me this blow, and all by knocked out my eye. After this, a month passed without her coming, O commander of the faithful, and I abode bewildered for love of her. But at the end of this time, she suddenly appeared again and saluted me, where Reata was like to fly for joy. She asked me how I did, and said to me, Haply thou saidst to thyself, What manner of tricksters is this, who hath taken my money and made off? Answered I, 
By Allah, O my lady, my money and my life are all thy very own. With this, she unveiled herself and sat down to rest with the trinkets and ornaments playing over her face and bosom. Presently she said to me, Weigh me out three hundred dinars. Hearkening and obedience, answered I, and weighed out to her the money. She took it and went away. And I said to my servant, Follow her. So he followed her, but returned dumbstruck, and some time passed without my seeing her. But as I was sitting one day, behold, she came up to me, and after talking a while, said to me, Weigh me out five hundred dinars, for I have need of them. I would have said to her, Why should I give thee my money? But my love immense hindered me from utterance. For, O prince of true believers, whenever I saw her, I trembled in every joint and my color paled, and I forgot what I would have said, and became, even as saith the poet, this not but these, when a sudden I see her, mum chance I bid not a word can say her. So I weighed out for her the five hundred ducats, and she took them and went away. Whereupon I arose and followed her myself, till she came to the jewel bazaar, where she stopped at a man's shop, and took of him a necklace. Then she turned and seeing me said, Pay him five hundred dinars for me. When the jeweller saw me, he rose to me and made much of me, and I said to him, Give her the necklace, and set down the price to me. He replied, I hear and obey, and she took it and went away. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of night 960